0: in 1997 back when the original Fallout game released and putting that CD (laughs) It was a a CD, a compact disc into your computer. Yeah, that was a thing. We had a compact disc players in computers at the time Um, and (laughs) spinning that up installing it and booting up the game and at the beginning of the game, you find a song playing. Maybe by the ink spots. There's something about being in 1997 and the, the feeling of coming to the end of a century. If you lived through this time, you know what I'm talking about. Feeling like technology was about to take us somewhere new and important. We weren't jaded yet by the internet and everything was moving to digital from the music perspective. And I was a musician at the time I was 18 years old, 1997. I'd been playing in a band, actually a number of different bands. Um, I'd learned how to play guitar. I'd looked into trying to understand recording a little bit and how that works. And Even music studios, by the end of the 90s, were all shifting to all digital. Everything was moving to a digital focus. And yet, you put this disc, this digital compact disc, in your computer, and you boot up this brand new video game, and you get a song from 1940. The technological distance between the world of the 1940s and the world of the 1990s, the end of the century, is massive. You have, in 1940, the beginnings of, well, almost the beginnings, it depends on where you were in the world at the time, but the beginnings of World War II, and the massive technological leap that that was about to create, atomic bombs... Actually using computers computers existed at the time, but using computers for things calculations and things that would help the war effort The idea that you could get in a plane and travel across the world was still relatively new and Yet by the 1990s things were very different And every other game that you launched at the time in the late 90s probably had some sort of Doom-inspired soundtrack. Heavy guitars, synths, electronic drums. Electronic music was on the rise. But instead, you boot up this game and you get the Ink Spots singing Maybe. And what I love about the Ink Spots, go back and listen to the song. You can look up all of these songs online. I can't stick them in the podcast because of copyright reasons. But uh, I'd love to. But the, the vocalist for the Ink Spots even sings in a way that sounds antiquated. The tone of his voice is just different than what we would popularly conceive of as good for a vocalist to use today. Because people just don't sing like that anymore. That's how different... The world was back then even his pronunciation of words is distinctly different So what am I getting at? I'm getting at something here with this and and this is where we're going with this episode we are talking about the music of fallout, but more so than just a Summary of some of the songs or the soundtracks and those kinds of things which we can get into on some other episodes in the future There's plenty to talk about there. I wanted to talk about the impact that these songs make and we're gonna go over some of the details and some of the songs we'll get into some of that But to begin I want you thinking about how this was a very novel thing to do in the late 90s to stick this music In the beginning of the PC game and there's a few other things. I want you to think about here as well I think one of the reasons why fallout and the fallout series has become so popular is because it does such a good job, not just doing a lot of things that we've talked about on the show in the past, where it takes influences from popular movies, it has a good representation of a wasteland, it gets you thinking about philosophical dilemmas, it does all of those things. But before you even get into the game far enough to realize that it's doing any of that, it has to create a perception in you of being something worth even trying out. It has to stand out from the crowd and this effect of creating a post-apocalyptic world and then showcasing within that post-apocalyptic world, this juxtaposition of this old music is powerful. And it's powerful for a number of reasons. First of all, I think that it's powerful because it hits us sideways. First, we just don't expect it. Like I've mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you don't turn on a video game in the 1990s or in the 2010s. It doesn't matter. Or 2020s. It doesn't matter. In today's world, you don't boot up a video game expecting to get music from 1940 or older in a lot of cases. And on top of that, the game is in the future. This is the future world, and yet you still have this music from the past playing in the future world, which creates these questions. People, I know, have come to this podcast in order to try to answer some of the questions that are left unanswered, or at least not clearly answered without a lot of digging, because of questions like this. And it's one of the first questions you get. When Fallout 3 was announced, We had a trailer. Do you remember the trailer for Fallout 3? And the music that plays in the trailer, again, is the ink spots. Bethesda, this time, chose to do what the original developers did and used the same band. But instead of playing Maybe, they played I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. I don't want to set the world on fire. that's my closest impression to it but the 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 pronunciation of the words the way the voices actually sings people don't sing like that anymore in popular music and that created attention and a question in people's minds how does this make sense what is this now i think that there's also something else going on here as well there's This effect of a future post-apocalyptic wasteland with advanced technology, because even in that trailer, you see a suit of power armor, right? This is not something we have in this world. Even though the technology in our world and in the Fallout world diverged and went in very different directions, it's still not something that we do today. And yet you have this antiquated music. You have... A group like the Ink Spots singing about not wanting to set the world on fire. And yet they have no idea what it's like to live in a world that's been set on fire. There's this anachronistic quality to it, like I was talking about before. But then there's also this this deep-seated irony that the topics that these old artists are singing about and the analogies that they're using when transported into a world that's actually suffered through nuclear apocalypse is it's almost it's quaint to think back on a time where people were singing songs about not wanting to set the world on fire or dropping nuclear bombs or whatever right To be in this world where it has happened, where things are as terrible as you think they might become in lots of different ways. It creates a lens with which we can view these old songs and see them as being ironic or strangely dark or misplaced in a very strange kind of way. And yet inside the lore, we're told, and I talk about this on one of the early episodes of the show, we talk about how. The world is stuck culturally. The inside inside perspective here is that by the end of the 20th century, the world kind of got stuck in a in a culture bubble and then nothing really progressed culturally. Technology progressed. Some other things progressed in very different ways than they do in our world. But culturally, they stayed the same. And I've read discussions on forums about people saying, like, well, even if that's the case, how come we don't have any new artists? You do. We do. There are some actual tracks in the games where the developers have created these fake songs by artists that don't actually exist and inserted them into the games. That is a thing. It's just not a very pronounced thing. So... For the most part, you have these old songs and this idea that, like, people were just holding on to these old songs and people were not innovating with music and art anymore. And maybe that's possible. I think that might be a thing that could be possible. Let's visit Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shall we? This <laughs> Who expected to talk about Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs in an episode about music? Um, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs basically is a pyramid, and the, the concept is that the more fundamental needs of human beings are at the bottom of the pyramid, and as you take care of those things, you can move up the pyramid to things that are more high-minded, right? So, for example, at the very bottom of the pyramid are things like food and shelter and Warmth. <laughs> and uh, The basics of survival because if you can't take care of the basics of survival Then you're never going to get further up the pyramid where you become self-actuated in order to do things like create art right, so if the world is in a state where most of humanity or at least large swaths of humanity are constantly taking care of these lower level tiered needs then you have less room for things like music. You also have potentially the the situation where the haves take so much of the resources, the money, the wealth of the world, that the majority of people are have-nots. This is what most of human history was like. You would have the aristocracy class. You go back hundreds and hundreds of years in most locations across the world, and you would have the rulers, and then you would have everyone else. And this idea of a middle class, this group in the middle that can do things like make a living by creating art, didn't exist until sometime in the last millennia in many different parts of the world. And in some places, it still doesn't exist. So in a world like the 2000s of Fallout, If things were terrible enough, those two reasons might explain why there isn't any advancement on the music front, or at least not much advancement in art and music. Oh, but I hear you, I hear you. There is a capitalist reason for creating things as well, but the capitalist reason for creating music is not necessarily to progress it as an art form, it's to create something that will make money. And you could also argue that the businesses that were creating things like TV shows and movies that people were still going to through the next, you know, 70 years before the the bombs dropped, weren't doing so in order to move forward art as a platform. They were just recycling things in a way that people would still go use it or maybe. It was too expensive to do that and so it was cheaper to just keep using the songs that people already knew and already loved All of that is speculation None of that is actually described in the lore. So I can't say that it definitely happened that way But we do know that things kind of stagnated. So that part we do know Now let's move let's zoom out from the lore from the meta. Let's get to a meta perspective and and look at it why is This music, why is culture stagnated in the Fallout games? Because it creates a really cool situation that you can use in a game to do the things that I was discussing before. I think that's the real reason. We can try to justify these things from an internal kind of perspective on stuff. And that's great. That's all well and good. And I think maybe we'll get even more clarity into that in the future, which would be really cool. But, I think that if we don't discuss the impact of these songs and the way that they affect our enjoyment of the game and and, uh, even curiosity about it before we even got into it, then I think we're actually missing something here. There's something to be said about that stuff, and I think it's really cool. So, let me know what you think about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, I've got to take a quick break here in the middle got to thank our patrons but when we get back i'm going to highlight some very specific songs and go over some details that i think you guys might find interesting so don't go anywhere all right so everybody knows how vpn services and express vpn can protect your privacy and security online right But did you know that there are some secret, hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So, if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office, or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries, all you have to do is change your location, and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. Hello there, old chat to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and before I get into the patrons and the reviews, I just wanted to point out that we've got a big giveaway. You probably heard it at the beginning of the show, during the little plugged-in little thing that I that I do, but we've got we're giving away Fallout stuff. Bethesda has been awesome. They've reached out to a bunch of different creators, including myself, and they've given us things to celebrate with the community by giving out for free. So, I have some lithographs I always say graphs instead of graphs lithographs 25th anniversary Fallout lithographs to give away and two $100 gift cards to the Bethesda store to go buy whatever you want And I am excited. I've already given away one of the five lithographs, but I've got a bunch of other stuff still. And if you want to, Get your hands on one of these. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to share anything or subscribe to anything. All you have to do is come by my live streams when I'm playing games or doing other stuff other than podcasts. So that's twitch.tv slash robotsradio. It's where I hang out, usually on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the afternoons here in the US for about two to three hours, usually starting around 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern. So by the end of your workday for most people, The second half of your workday for most people I will be streaming come hang out with me Put me up on a second monitor or on your phone while you're doing some other stuff and hang out because if you are in the room When the spirit hits me to just give something away Then I will pick a random person who's in the room and give you something awesome It's from Bethesda as a way to celebrate, and it's from me just to say thanks for being here and being part of the community, and while you're there, I think you might enjoy hanging out with all of us, because there's a lot of awesome people who come by the live streams and hang out. So, come by, join us, I'd love to get to know you. All right, let's go on with our patrons, who I also love to get to know. We have 57 patrons currently, and we have some new ones to shout out. We have... Uh, who signed up just this last week? And I don't remember if I uh, called out Kenneth F, but if I if I didn't, Kenneth F, welcome aboard. M K, welcome aboard, and Kylie, welcome aboard. Thank you for your support. I really do appreciate it. And to all 57 of you, thank you so very much. And to our Sentry Bot Dylan R, who gets a shout out every week because you're our tier five supporter thank you so much you guys are the best i couldn't do it without you guys and we have some new reviews to read out we've got oh man we've got four but these are going to go relatively quickly uh well first of all we have and this is going to make me sound like the most caucasian man on the planet jonah Dahomey, who writes from me five stars simply the best tom has a very soothing voice thank you very much I appreciate you taking the time to leave that review, and now I sound like uh, a total doof. All right. Then we have Walker of Skies from the U.S. Both of these were from the U.S. Yiggity you. Yo, what's up, Robots? I've been listening on Spotify and had to download the podcast app just to send you an awesome review as well. I do love Bethesda games, not Elder Scrolls Online. And honestly, if you had to choose between New Vegas or 3, which would you choose? For me, it's definitely New Vegas. There is a lot more decision making and world sculpting. Love you, homie. I swear that you witness wasn't... What, well, you witness wasn't necrophilia? I don't I don't know what I saw. I, I'm, I'm now very, very confused. Um... Yeah, I think I'd probably go with New Vegas over three. I think there's more replayability there. Um, so thank you. Thank you for leaving the review, Walker of Skies. Hmm. Skywalker. Walker. of Huh. Sounds familiar. Then we have Goat Farmer, 84, in the U.S., who writes, Mind blown five stars. Hey, robots. Found this podcast when I was at work for something, looking for something new to listen to. I was instantly hooked. Haven't made it through every episode yet. Yeah, there's a lot of them but I have been jumping around a lot. I've learned so much from this. I have been going back and replaying the Fallout games now and looking for some of the tidbits that you have talked about on the show. And it is awesome. Keep up the good work and stay safe out there in the wasteland. You too, goat farmer. That sounds like a dangerous job to have in the wasteland. Um, And then we have, uh, it seems like an accidental re-review. CT underscore 107 from the U S rights. Wait a minute. Five stars. I already did review cool now you you did twice i guess thank you to all of you guys if you would like to leave a rating and review on a future episode i will read it out these all happen at apple podcasts and man i said that backwards and you can leave a review on spotify that's a great place to do it as well all right thank you for your support let's move on with the rest of the show if you have any questions about Nuka world i'd be delighted to answer them so now that we've discussed why the music itself is so interesting, I wanted to go over some details, both about the songs as a whole that have been included across the Fallout games, and also some of the songs in particular, because there's some things I want to point out. So, as you know, you've played through a number of these games, probably. You get songs that are like actual anthems and things like that, that come from pre-1900s. I'm not going to discuss those. Those are... Those those are what they are, right? I want to talk about the radio music the kinds of music the kinds of songs The kinds of pop songs and not pop in like the strict sense of today's Definition in a more broad sense of like songs that were played on the radio songs that masses of people enjoyed Regardless of their actual genre whether it was jazz or rock or whatever and before we get into that I just want to point out something many of you may not realize it because a lot of people don't go back and spend a lot of time playing Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. The only songs in Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 that are actual radio songs are the songs that happen at the beginning when you launch the game. So the Ink Spots Maybe comes up in Fallout 1 and in Fallout 2, instead, you get Louis Armstrong, A Kiss to Build a Dream On from 1951. 11 years after the Ink Spots song. So, for the most part, when you play those games, you get the really atmospheric music in the backgrounds, but you don't get a whole lot of pop music other than in the intro. With the release of Fallout 3, that's all very different, because, as we know, one of the main plots of the game has to do with a radio station, and music gets played on radio stations so they brought in a lot more music and so from thought three new vegas four and 76 we actually have a fairly large i guess you could call it library of songs but it may not be as large as you think it is unless you listen to these soundtracks a lot and you realize that they're actually kind of limited um i think back when i played through these games i felt like there was a larger assortment of songs than there actually were But then I also felt like I kept getting the same ones showing up. I don't know, but here let's go through it and I want to go through it in a kind of timeline kind of way. So the earliest songs that we get, the earliest pop songs, are from the 1920s. The earliest recording is in Fallout 76, Nobody's Fault But Mine by Blind Willie Johnson. This was recorded in 1927. Let's go back to the 1920s. What do we know about the 1920s? Well, I think most people would think of like flappers and those kinds of things. Eh, by 27, that wasn't as much of a thing, as far as I'm aware. But the 1920s were a interesting time. This is right before the Great Depression. America's doing pretty well. We made it through World War I, but things are about to go south with the Great Depression. The second oldest song is "Ain't Misbehavin'" by Fats Waller. Fats Waller is an awesome dude. <laughs> I think Fats Waller is one of my favorite uh, musicians of this time period. This song was 1929, and I happen to know a lot of information about these old jazz numbers, specifically not because I was a jazz musician, but because I was a DJ, and I uh, well, I taught and um, DJed for swing dance events over the last 20 years. This is something I've done regularly. And so understanding what music to dance to is important. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that as we get back to one of the details I want to cover at the end of this episode, but just briefly Fats Waller is a pianist and a singer. Um, An African-American pianist and singer from the 1920s and 30s mostly was his was his popularity, but he was actually extremely popular at the time so popular that he would go on the radio and do these live performances on the radio because that's what you did at the time and his fans wanted him to play these pop songs rather than the stuff that he would rather play so he got bored with it and he would. Sing and play these songs, but then kind of make fun of them at the same time. Go back and listen to some albums by Fats Waller, especially recordings of some of these live performances. And the more simple kind of pop tunes, he will he makes these off comments while, while playing them. He kind of, under his breath, will say some stuff. He messes with the words. He's trying to get through his workday. And make it interesting for himself because the songs are just boring to him. But then you go listen to some of his other stuff and man, the dude can play like this was an extremely, extremely talented pianist for the time and influenced many other piano players from that time forward. Many other jazz artists in general were influenced by Fats Waller. And there's one thing I want to point out here before we move on with the 1930s. When you go back and listen to these old songs, try to imagine in your mind, not the black and white imagery, not the old looking haircuts and suits and ties and things that make it feel like these people are your grandparents or your great grandparents playing music at like 80, 90 years old. Right. Think of these artists in their prime. In their 20s and 30s with the energy of young adults who are young enough to have a, a real drive, a real emotional connection to the music because it's still new for them, but old enough to be very good at their art and then look at it through that lens. Try not to hear the the cracks in the recording and the tinny sound of things. Try to imagine what this was like to be in the room with these artists at the time when this music was new. And you'll get a new appreciation. Guys like Fats Waller are tearing up the piano in a way that nobody had before. Put on some headphones, turn it up loud, and listen to these songs in that way. And especially as we get to some of these other jazz artists. So let's move on to the 1930s. The 1930s music is primarily added in by Fallout 76. Of the 14 songs that show up in Fallout games from the 1930s, 10 of them were added by Fallout 76. And the 1930s is the, the real advent of jazz becoming popular with the country. In fact, it was the time period where if you were a young person listening to jazz, maybe your parents would say, that's the devil's music. You can't listen to that, which sounds so funny by today's standards. But at the time. There was there was a thing going on there with that, especially among white communities who didn't want their little white kids listening to black people's music. And how many times in the 20th century have we lived through that? Right. That just happens over and over again because one community was innovating on the music and the art and the other community was not keeping up as much. So (laughs) it's just kind of how it went. One of the stories from this time period is about how these artists, whether they were black or white or Hispanic, whatever background they came from, the artists didn't care. This is one of those things that comes up in stories all the time where you have, for example, a uh, and these these were orchestras. These were lots of people, 12, 15, 16 people in in a van going from venue to venue. And they could make enough money doing this at the time. And you would have in situations where sometimes the black orchestra would pull up to a venue and they wouldn't be allowed to play or they wouldn't be allowed to stay and enjoy the other musicians who were also playing that night after they were done with their set. They were asked to leave or, they, you know, this was a white establishment. You can't stay here. That kind of thing. But yet after the night was over. The musicians would all get together. They'd all go to somebody's house. They would have a rent party, which was a a kind of thing that people would do in communities in order to help pay the rent. They would distill actual alcohol in their bathtubs, and then they would sell entry in order to get into these rent parties. But the musicians would all show up, and they didn't care what your background was. All they cared about was if you could play music. That was it. And these groups would jam together and they would influence each other. And the musicians from different backgrounds would share their influences with each other. This was a period of time, and this isn't just the 1930s, this happened before this as well, but this is a period of time where there was a breakdown among segregation and racism in the world because of the art and the music of this time period, which is beautiful. Now, in here, we have artists like Chick Webb, Cole Porter, Milton Brown, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Count Basie, these artists and many of these artists and these songs that show up, especially in Fallout 76, are songs that get used in the swing dance community because there are many communities that want to dance to this original music primarily, and they didn't get added until Fallout 76. I have a theory here that the dance community rediscovering a lot of these songs actually Helped enable them to get added into the fallout list of music that gets included in a way where The community that was putting this together the the devs who are putting this together back at the end of the 2000s Weren't yet aware of it because there was a lot more discovery and a lot more awareness in our culture due to social dancing I think that's actually really a thing and I, I just have a sense of it So I may not be accurate, but let me know if that's a thing devs because there are a lot of developers, programmers, people like that who are involved in the swing dance community. It's so there's, a, there's a lot of crossover for some reason. Now, a lot of these 1930s songs have kind of a, a dancey swing jazz feel. And a lot of the titles more or less work with this weird juxtaposition of things. For example... Easy Living by Billie Holiday. Well, it's not an easy living in the wasteland, right? Um, When I get low, I get high, right? There's, There's drugs in the game, that's kind of a thing. Or even songs like Happy Days Are Here Again. Yeah, that feels like it's supposed to be juxtaposed with the terribleness of the wasteland. Then we move into the 1940s. The 1940s has the most number of songs from any decade in the Fallout games. There are 45 songs from the 1940s, and 1940s, you think World War II at the beginning of the decade. By the end of the decade, you have a change in music. A lot of the swing jazz and things became more socially acceptable by the early 1940s. A lot of the service members were enjoying jazz music, and, and a lot of these bands would fly out to locations in order to entertain the troops. That was very much a thing. But by the end of the war, you end up with the situation where a lot of people come back from the war and they settle down. And music in this period kind of reflects that a bit. You have this gap between the post-war period and the advent of rock and roll in the mid-50s. You got about this decade between like 45 and 55 where the music doesn't, the, the popular music I should say, doesn't have the, the energy... Of the swing jazz era in the same way it did, but it also doesn't have the energy of the early rock era either It's a little bit more chill. You've got kind of this like everybody was Shell-shocked from the war kind of thing going on for about a decade and this happens in the music too You can actually see it in the music or at least hear it in the music you have songs like I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire by the Ink Spots in 1941, right at the beginning of the war. It's a Sin to Tell a Lie, also by the Ink Spots. Jingle, Jangle, Jingle by Kay Kaiser. Jukebox Saturday Night by Glenn Miller. Pistol Packin' Mama by Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters, who, Andrew Sisters are amazing. Turns out Bing Crosby, not such a great dude. Uh, these are, these are all early forties songs and in the ink spots ones, you still have that kind of chill ink spots thing they were doing, but you also have the energy of some of these other songs I mentioned by the late forties, you have kind of a shift in stuff. Easy living by Billie Holiday songs that make you want to believe that everything's good, like accentuate the positive also by Bing Crosby and the Andrew sisters two years later in 1944. And then a variety of other stuff, like uh, A Wonderful Guy by Tex Beneke from Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, or Butcher Pete from Roy Brown. These are all in the late, late 40s. And then we move into the 1950s, the advent of rock and roll. You get some of these songs that aren't quite jazz, but aren't quite rock. They're kind of in between in the early 50s, but then you, you move on to more of the 19, late 1950s early rock kind of thing. So there's 31 songs from the 1950s, and this includes songs like Rocket 69 or Atom Bomb Baby, which is another one of those ironic kinds of songs, right? Like, uh, yeah, they went through World War II, they understand what atom bombs are and those kinds of things, but they haven't lived through the end of the world yet, so... Then you also have um, songs like Johnny Guitar by Peggy Lee, which is very famous. Uh, It was used in New Vegas. A lot of people reference this song a lot. Not one of my favorites personally, but seems seems to come up a lot, right? Then we have the 1960s. 1960s is a very different time from these other periods. All of a sudden, the world starts to look a little bit more postmodern. In a lot of circles, you would consider the modern period to be a certain period of time. It doesn't mean like... Current it means a very specific time period and by the 1960s We have kind of this look back on the modern period and a reaction to it from an artistic perspective So things are different here I also am pretty sure that most people if you were to say what time periods show up in Fallout games for music most people will say 1920s through 1960s and For the most part they're right, but there are other songs that fall outside of that so, in the actual list of songs, we only have 13 songs from the 1960s. And this includes the inclusion of Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys, which feels very modern. 1966, not the latest one from the 1960s. The latest one from the 1960s was actually from New Vegas. Jazz Blues" by Gerhard Trade. Tread, Trede. Trede? Trede? T-R-E-D-E, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. You also have the inclusion here with New Vegas of some songs that feel more country-western, because that was a thing that was growing in popularity by the 1960s. Now, that doesn't mean that that's where things end. By the 1970s, we actually have two songs as well. These songs were included in New Vegas also because, well, one of them, Roundhouse Rock by Burt Whedon, has a certain kind of sound that would make sense in New Vegas. But we also have It's a Sin to Tell a Lie by the Ink Spots in 1978, who were still recording music by the 1970s. Kinda crazy, right? Then that's still not where it ends. By the 1980s, we have the song Heartaches by the Number by Guy Mitchell in 1980. Also shows up in Fall at New Vegas. Fall at New Vegas is breaking the mold here. But still not it. Check this out. Thanks to Fallout New Vegas in the 1990s. We have six songs going under by Daryl Wayne Perry and Tommy Smith in the shadow of the Valley by Lost Weekend. Um, Let's Ride Into the Sunset Together. Also Lost Weekend and also Lone Star. Slow Sacks by Christoph Dijon and I'm Moving Out by the Roos Brothers. Again, number of these are kind of a country-western setting, so it makes sense that they were included, but they weren't in actually recorded until the 1990s, even though they have that sound. Oh, but there's more. There are songs from the 2000s that show up as well. A number of these are from New Vegas, but some of them are from other groups as well. And in some cases, because they are older artists that just happened to do a recording in a more recent time period. Or the music feels like it's from an earlier time period, even though it was recorded in a later time period. So that's seven songs in the 2000s that still show up as like original works, like copywritten music that shows up in the games. So the actual spectrum here is much broader than you would think. But the style is still limited to the kinds of early jazz, swing jazz, early rock and roll like the the pop music from that like 20s to 60s era so there are a few songs that are actually written for the game and in fallout 4 there are two artists magnolia and red eye who have a number of songs magnolia is credited with baby it's just you good neighbor i'm the one you're looking for man enough and train train and red eye in Fallout 4, does One Last Score, Baby Quit Raiding My Heart, Gimme What you Got, The Legend of Atlas Part 1, The Legend of Atlas Part 2, The Legend of Red Eye, and The Legend of Red Eye's Name. Do those sound familiar? So let's dig into this some more. Magnolia, the artist in the game, are songs that are unlocked on the Diamond City radio and can be heard live after visiting Magnolia in the third rail bar. The songs are performed by Linda Carter, John Jarvis, and Carrie Marks. Interesting, right? Red Eye are... These are songs performed on Raider Radio in Nuka World. So if you've played through that expansion, that's why these are familiar. And the songs were written and performed by Andrew W.K. Very interesting, right? I feel like these don't get a whole lot of... Uh, a focus or attention, but it's kind of interesting that in Fallout 4 they recorded these very specific tunes in order to kind of match the world and and Do some very specific things when it came to radio stations again, which is a big theme in the games from Fallout 3 on So very cool stuff. I, there's tons of more I could go into here I know I went into a little bit more about you know people like Fats Waller and some of these other artists I, I kind of left out, but I mean, we could go on for weeks. So you could do entire podcast, actually, not podcast episode, like podcast show about all of this stuff if you really wanted to. So there's all sorts of cool stuff. I would love to hear what your favorite songs are, which songs re- you really like, not the ones that necessarily get stuck in your head because a lot of those do that. but which ones you really like, what time periods your favorite, and how you feel about this vintage music. Come hang out and tell me about it on the stream, twitch.tv slash robots radio, or share with our community on the discord. Let us know what you think. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for being here. Stay safe in the wasteland. I'll see you next week. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.